Welcome to the FHE Podcast, hosted by Amy and Maddie. We are the Fruity Horny Exmos. Hello, and welcome back to an episode of the FHE Podcast. Hey, I'm hey. here with my fiance, Amy. Oh, that's me. <laughs> and my fiance, Maddie. Wow. And co-host of the podcast. So, Wow, I'm glad that it's in that order. Obviously. <laughs> First, before we begin, we have some good news about cats. Um, Yay, the cat corner. <laughs> we have recently taken in a new cat into our household by the name of Frankie. And Frankie is a big black cat and he's so cute and sweet so we just love him so much already he is so sweet and if you didn't know that brings our cat total in our house to three <laughs> so really living up to the gay woman stereotype we of really cats. are i'm um, not mad about it i love each of them yeah they're all very Weird. particular <laughs> yeah they are all just so sweet and still getting used to each other um, in terms of Frankie to the other ones Slowly and vice versa. But, surely. but it seems to be going pretty well mm -hmm. and we're just really excited. We thought that our cat Sam needed a pal because he was sick, which was why we took that first hiatus <laughs> um, several months ago. But now he's all better, thank God. And so we got him a pal because our cat Delilah does not really care. Yeah. For Sam just anyone wants to but play us. all the time and Delilah doesn't. So Yeah. So So we were like, hmm, Sam needs a pal. And I feel like they'll get there. I think so. So, so yeah. Cute little buddies. If you want to see pictures of our kitties, maybe we'll post them on our story. Mm -hmm. And uh another good spot to plug our Instagram <laughs> at FHE Podcast. And it's also our handle on Twitter as well, at FHE Podcast on Twitter. I don't post as much on there. It's mostly Instagram. But, but follow us. Yeah. As for last week's episode, we also did not tell our engagement story. Um, we had let you know on that first episode with Ben and Carly that we had gotten engaged. And we debated telling you guys the story on this episode. However. <laughs> we'll do it on a different one. It's not really, <laughs> it's not really a topic that I think our, we want our story to be next to so yeah so we'll do it on a, a, a future episode so yes. i guess you guys will just have to keep listening <laughs> to hear the engagement story wow. damn yeah that's really tough for you but anyway yeah, I feel really bad so our topic for the day is a little update on the latest byu bullshit and disclaimer we did all this research a while ago but then <laughs> we kind of took another little break from doing the podcast so some of this might be old news but i think it's still an important thing to keep talking about so amy will be leading our discussion today so i'll hand it over to you amy. yeah i'm giving the lesson today <laughs> in our fhe i almost said sister schneck but then i wanted to i would say throw that, up so. on this microphone if yes. you called me that how dare so, you so that's why i didn't say it i haven't even been sister schneck in years the last time i was called sister something was sister wilson after i got married so yeah anyway um yeah so like maddie <laughs> said we're going to be talking about byu updates 
but not just BYU updates, also just church updates as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, Provo is kind of the Mormon armpit of <laughs> Utah, so uh, a lot of this does take place in Provo. Just, I fucking hate Provo. I fucking I used to live there, and Provo. let me tell you. That was the true test of our relationship. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you weren't the first person I dated in Provo, but it, it's not. I hate it there. Yeah, it's horrible. No one watches where they're going. Do you know how many college students I've almost hit with my car because they just walk across the street without looking? How many? Approximately 32. Just kidding. Wow, she's kept track. That's kind track. of scary, actually. No, I'm just Serial kidding. killer tray, am I right? Anyway, <laughs> the topics that we're hitting on today, I'm going to just provide a trigger warning here. We are talking about... Abuse, sexual abuse, um, homophobia, rape, etc., incest, things like that. And it's kind of funny, not funny, what I'm <laughs> about to say is um, coincidental to this topic. The reason that we had to take another hiatus, which was not our plan, was um, a fun fact about something that happened to me. I was assaulted by my neighbor. Cool, cool. And... That happened the day we were supposed to record this um, episode that we are doing today. I had done all the research and all that. And then I was just too obviously overwhelmed yeah. with other feelings to be able to do that. And that's why we went on another, went on another <laughs> little hiatus. <laughs> but we're back. But we're back. And everything's fine. Yeah. By the way, Amy's okay. Yeah, I'm okay. And luckily it didn't get that far but it got far enough to the point where i felt like i needed to report it so to any of our listeners that have had to do that before this was the first time i've done that and it is really difficult even though mine was like pretty minuscule i feel like yeah in regards to what other people go through and and considering what i went through it makes sense why it's hard for victims to share their story with police and other people that need to hear about those events i was second guessing myself the whole time before i could go in and give my actual report um and it did take an extra week because i did propose to maddie <laughs> in the midst of that post assault anyway so it was just like a, a lot it was a heavy week and i just want victims survivors everyone that has experienced something like that to know you're not alone it sucks. It's not fair. You did nothing wrong and we believe you. Yeah. So just wanted to toss that out there that <laughs> I definitely think this, the stories that we're going to be talking about today, things that have happened recently in Mormon culture, Mormondom. news, whatever, <laughs> Mormondom, are they're important to talk about and it's awful. So anyway, shall we get into it? Let's do it. Like I said, I did this research several weeks ago. Um, so these things are a little bit of old news, but that does not mean that they are less important news to share. Let's see what past <laughs> Amy wrote um, back uh, several several weeks ago. Amy's a new woman now. <laughs> I'm engaged. So yeah. I know. It's true. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to... Like we said, talk about things that have been happening specifically mostly in Provo. But this first one takes place actually in Arizona. Um, it would be insane if you as our listeners had not heard about this. 
because it was really big, especially in especially in Exmo Twitter. Um, people were really talking about it. So the first thing that we're going to discuss today is the AP article that came out about the church and the sexual assault, abuse, etc. case that happened in Arizona. So if you had not, if you've not heard this first um, topic that we're going to discuss today, I would be incredibly surprised. It was pretty big in Mormon news, ex-Mormon news, etc. <laughs> it is the AP article that happened in Arizona in regards to Paul Douglas Adams, who sexually abused his children. Paul Douglas Adams admitted he had been sexually abusing his, at the time, five-year-old daughter, who the article referenced as MJ. So basically, Adams went to his first bishop named John Herod and told him what had been happening, that he'd been sexually abusing his five-year-old daughter. Herod then called the church's quote-unquote helpline, which we will be discussing the helpline in this episode as well, (laughs) but we're just going to call it the quote-unquote helpline for now. (laughs) And the church's lawyers stated to Herod, quote, you can absolutely do nothing. Great. That's the second bullet point. Okay. There's it's already a lot, not looking good. There's a lot of other bullet points, I'm just going <laughs> to say. So then Herod continued to counsel Adams for a year, even including Liza Adams, the wife of Paul and the mother of MJ, hoping she would help or report. Spoiler alert, she did not. Cool. Nope. The second bishop that Adams confessed to also did nothing. Because of this, Adams was able to continue raping MJ for seven more years as well as his infant daughter born after his initial confession. Yikes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Adams also (laughs) would record and post the encounters on the internet. That's horrible. Uh Uh-huh. I hate the word encounter. Me too. Yeah. The the rape, the abuse. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. Adams was finally arrested by Homeland Security in 2017 with zero help from the church. He died by suicide before he could stand trial. Arizona lawyers say that Arizona law doesn't require bishops to report citing clergy penitent privilege. We'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) But a fun fact is that Adams worked for the United States Border Patrol. He literally worked for the government. He was confessing to multiple bishops who would call the helpline and the helpline would say, well, you don't have to do anything, even though you can report abuse that happens. And you should. And you should. And you should report it. But they said technically because of Arizona law, you don't have to. Yeah. So to go a little deeper into that specific point, Arizona child sex abuse law says that clergy are not required to report abuse and or neglect, but it also says that clergy who receive info about said abuse or, or neglect during spiritual confessions may withhold that info from authorities if the clergy determines it is reasonable and necessary under church doctrine to not tell authorities about it. That's really interesting because Mormons have like this whole thing about children and like, mm-hmm. you know, they're special beings. Yeah. But no, we don't want to protect them when they're being abused. Yeah, no, why would we do that? If it makes the church look bad, then why would you? Anyway, Adams was excommunicated in 2013. Keep in mind, the church officials still did not report him for the abuse. So he continued to do it. After he was excommunicated. Yeah, because he wasn't even arrested until 2017. Yeah. Was he excommunicated because of this? Or was it other things? 
No, I believe so. Okay. I believe it was for that. Interesting that they would go so far <laughs> as to like excommunicate him, but then do nothing. It's like, we'll wash our hands of you. Yeah. But then, you know, not our problem. Basically, yeah. When did it start? I'm assuming this happened approximately around 2010. He confessed to not one, but two bishops. And then was excommunicated in 2013. He continued to do the abuse all throughout this time. He never really stopped and then was arrested in 2017. And then before he could even stand trial, he died by suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, a fun fact is the 2010 church handbook says the responsibility of the church in cases of abuse is to help those who have been abused and protect those who may be vulnerable to future abuse and quote unquote, abuse cannot be tolerated in any form. Interesting. So they're like, yeah, yeah, We'll help the abuse unless it makes us look bad. There's, there is literally no excuse for them to not have reported it. There's no excuse. No, there's really not. Especially he talked to two bishops about it and both of them did nothing. Yep. Like his kid was five at the time Mm -hmm. when he started doing this. And then not only that... His second kid was born Mm -hmm. and then he started to abuse that one. Yeah. So. That's horrible. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. And he was recording it, putting it out there. I think he was arrested because of the child pornography. Yeah. That's how they found him. Yeah. Was because he was posting it. Mm -hmm. And then all this other shit happened. Yeah. But that came from outside of the church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. they knew about it. Exactly. They Really, really did. So now on the flip side, we're going to talk about the church's response about said abuse case in Arizona. Um, Okay, so yeah, there's more information in the second part. I just was like going straight from the AP article okay. in the first part. And this is the second part okay. about more, has more information. So in late 2011, Paul Adams made a limited confession to his bishop about a single past incident of abuse of one child. Keep in mind, this is what the church said. In their response to the article, not necessarily what happened. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he made a limited confession about a single past incident of abuse of one child. The bishop then called the helpline where he was advised about how to fully comply with Arizona's reporting laws. In compliance with that counsel, from that time forward, the bishop repeatedly tried to intervene and encourage reporting, including by, and there's a couple bullet points here, one, counseling Paul Adams to repent and seek professional help. But still keeping him in the home with his kids who were not safe. Yep. And also, I mean, he was still in the church. Mm-hmm. So what's funny is you can be gay and get excommunicated like immediately. However, this man wasn't excommunicated for like two years. After repeatedly telling his telling bishops, his bishops he that doing. he was sexually assaulting and abusing his children. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. So that was that was one. <laughs> Number two. The bishop asked, this one makes me furious, actually. The bishop asked Paul Adams to report himself. Yeah. Who who would do that? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. No one. That's why we have mandatory reporters. Uh-huh. So they report it if they suspect something or if they know something. Which, which they, they did. did. Yep. And um, a fun fact is that he... Paul Adams refused, obviously, yeah. to report himself. And he also refused to give permission to the bishop to make the report. 
Yeah, because we need the abuser's permission to turn them in. Yeah, why would they be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that's that's fine. Go right ahead. Yeah, Yeah, it's okay. Go for it. Yeah, and also professional help. Like they have their own counselors, so that wouldn't. What would that do? Because they're not going to report it either. Yep. Which is infuriating because counselors need to be mandatory reporters. Oh, 100%. <sighs> Fine. Yeah. So the fact that they were like, well, he didn't want to report and he didn't want to let us report. So we didn't report. No, 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 yeah, no. That's complete bullshit. That's not even how it fucking works. So cool. Number three, they encouraged Paul's wife, Liza, to report. She refused and later served time in prison for her role in this situation. Why would she report? Yeah. Like her husband. She's willingly living there, having children with him. She's also clearly a part of his pattern of abuse. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like she's trying to stop him. No, she wasn't. She was aware of it. She was aware of it. Like, you know, so why would she also be like, you know what? You're right. Let me report my husband who have willingly been letting do this for several years. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. So anyway, number four, um, the bishop encouraged Paul Adams to move out of the home, which he did temporarily and then removed back in. Mm-hmm. So cool. Number five urging Liza to seek professional counseling for Paul and their children, which would trigger a mandatory report. They refused. Shocked. Yeah. Truly shocked. So that was the church's defense of their, that was their defense of whatever fucking reason they thought they did not need to counsel their bishops who have no training at all about these kinds of things they said you know what you don't have to report because arizona law kind of kind of a gray area you don't have to report if you decide willy-nilly if this falls under church doctrine that you don't have to report that was basically it yeah and we have like therapist client confidentiality yeah however that confidentiality can be broken Mm -hmm. if the client is endangering themselves or others yeah and that should be the same with clergy. Yeah. And it and typically it typically is with other churches as yeah. far as I know. Yeah. Depending. You know, that that's a broad statement to make that I don't actually know. So who knows? Yeah. But talking about this church specifically. But this specific <laughs> church does not take that that way. Mm-hmm. It's like we could report it, but But no, we'll just help the abuser continue to abuse continue their to children. Abuse. And not help the victims at all. Cool. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So that was the church's response. Infuriating that that was what they thought. Was okay. They really thought they did something. They were like, well, he didn't want us to report it. He didn't report it. His wife didn't report it. So what were we to do? Oh, no. We really had no option. A multi-billion dollar church. Yeah. Couldn't like really, you know, rub two brain cells together and think, oh, he's actively assaulting abusing raping his children yeah and is not doing anything about it we should protect the children cool 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 so (laughs) next topic (laughs) next these are all these the first three like sections are all pretty much related so this is a brief section about the church's quote-unquote helpline so basically the church 
objected to the descriptions of the helpline from the AP article, saying that it was, quote unquote, mischaracterized and oversimplified. However, there are three undeniable facts. Number one, the helpline is run out of the church's risk management division, not family services. Risk management. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why does that need to be where the calls are funneled to? Mm -hmm. Risk management. Yeah, it just sounds like you're trying to manage the risk of something bad coming out about your church. That's what it sounds like. 100%. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, The second fact is most calls are directed to attorneys. Um, The Curtin McConkie law firm in particular is well known for their association with the church and with their help on the quote unquote helpline. So the people call and speak to an attorney. So the bishop will call in this instance, the helpline, the church's helpline, and then they'll say, hang on, (laughs) let me connect you to the risk management services or Curtin McConkie, whatever. Mm -hmm. But usually I think it's the risk management division talks to Curtin McConkie. They decide what to do. And then risk management will tell the bishop. Yeah. We'll relay the information. Let's say the, our lawyers say you don't have to do anything. Yeah. And the third fact is all bishops are men. Yeah. So, you know, just putting it out there. Those are the three undeniable facts about the helpline. The church can say that it's oversimplified and mischaracterized all they want. But you can never dispute the fact that those three things happen. Yeah. But no accountability. Cool. Yep. Mm -hmm. So there's that first part of what the fuck's been (laughs) happening in Mormon dumb lately. (laughs) And it's just really upsetting um, because especially knowing that to throw it back to the fact that my neighbor assaulted me, he's a member of the church. Yeah. He's a 70 year old member of the church and he's married. um, He has kids. His kids. And he's a member of the church still. Still goes, he's like smokes and goes to church and assaults people. So, you know. So cool. Um, that just, you know. It just goes to show that like just because you're a member of the church doesn't mean that you are actually a good person. Yeah. And I feel like people assume like, oh, well, they're a member. So, so that would never happen. Oh, but it yeah. absolutely does. Religion has nothing to do with it. Exactly. That's what really I feel like that mindset of, well, he's a member of the church. He's a return missionary. He's this. He's, he's that. He's a worthy priesthood holder. That really contributed to me trusting men in my early 20s that I should not have trusted who then assaulted me. I've been assaulted by more members of the church than I have non-members. Yeah. Actually, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever been assaulted by a man who was a non-member yeah they've all been members Hmm. a pattern (laughs) perhaps (laughs) so anyway there's that um there's that first part the second part of this episode is really going to be focusing on all the bullshit that's been happening in and around byu um located in Provo, utah like i said the fucking armpit of mormon culture i hate it it's awful there and it really, like, when I go there, it has a different vibe. It does. I'm telling you. Like, there's something in the air. Yeah, 100%. I agree. It's just like, I'm going to be hate-crimed here. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It was it was kind of scary living there, not going to lie. Oh, I believe that. It was scary to be your girlfriend and going to visit you and we'd have <laughs> to pretend I was just your pal. Yeah. Like in your apartment complex at the time. But yeah. Anyway, with that in mind, we're going to talk about the BYU. I mean, it's not sponsored by BYU, obviously. Yeah. But it was for BYU students who are LGBTQ. It was a back-to-school night pride event. This night is put on by several clubs that are not necessarily BYU approved. They're all typically off-campus organizations, I believe. Yeah. But for BYU students to have support. Mm -hmm. BYU LGBTQ students, specifically. Yeah. So... But it's like a community event as well. Yeah. And like we've gone and neither one of us were BYU students. Mm -hmm. And I mean, technically, I'm a BYU Idaho alum. Gross. It is gross. I know. Anyway, so this back to school night pride event, queer students essentially gather at a back to school event in Provo. Maddie and I went last year. We didn't have a chance to go this year, which we're honestly kind of sad about given what I'm about to describe. (laughs) Dozens of protesters also attended, some openly carrying handguns and or quote unquote, God hates gays kinds of signs that yeah. in that in that vein. Soon after that, 12 people wearing three feet long angel wings stood between the protesters and the event. Most of the protesters were protesting specifically the family friendly drag show with the angels blocking their view during the show. Most protesters left before the show even ended. It's good to keep in mind that the organizers of this event made sure that the performances and costumes would be family friendly and, and also not against church policies. Yeah. yeah. And also the names of the queens as well were changed to mm-hmm. be family friendly as well. Yeah. So it's like I as someone who is a lover of drag shows. God, so good. It's insane that people are like it's pushing that culture on my children. Are you joking? Yeah. Are you joking? Like, coming from someone who, you know, sends all eight of their kids on missions to go push their culture on other people in other countries. Right. Yeah. You know, the drag show, if you go, it's not sexual, really. Like, not really. It can be. Not going to lie. Depending on the drag show you go to. It's true. Depending (laughs) on the drag show you go to. But even like the drag shows we've been to, it's really just like a spectacle. Like it's just a performance. They just like sing, dance. Lip sync. Like they're in like, you know. It's just so fun. It's so fun. It does not hurt anybody. It doesn't. It truly doesn't. So the fact that people went out of their way to make signs and then attend to protest is shocking to me because the organizers of this event made so many specific changes to the program that the drag queens usually do to ensure that it was family friendly yeah and i've seen so many videos of like little kids at drag shows or with drag queens it's so cute because they're just like you're fun like you can dance like wow it's just amazing to see someone like I just can't. I love drag shows. Yeah. And I think people that have never been to a drag show are the ones who need to go the most because, but also fuck you if you're going to make it like a, make a scene there. But like, (laughs) I think those people just have never actually experienced a drag show. Yeah. And they just, they have these assumptions um, that are incorrect about it. So absolutely. So that was really frustrating to see happen. 
at this event that it's off campus. Okay. Like (laughs) it's not even BYU sponsored. Yeah. It's sponsored by organizations that work for students in the LGBTQ community. Yeah. And allies and parents. Yeah. And just. In or around BYU. Yeah. Provo, et cetera. So get a fucking life. Literally. Number one. (laughs) Anyway. The next part is BYU removing off-campus LGBTQ resource pamphlets from welcome bags for new students. The Rainbow Collective, and that's R-A-Y-N-B-O-W for BYU. Yeah. The Rainbow Collective, which is an off-campus nonprofit organization, paid and signed a contract with BYU's newspaper, The Daily Herald, who is distributing welcome bags to students to include 5,000 flyers about resources and events for LGBTQ people. Yeah. So basically, The Daily Herald distributes these welcome bags to new students at the beginning of the school year, this year in 2022. And Madison Tenney, a queer BYU student who created the Rainbow Collective, made sure that the pamphlets were very vanilla this is these are her words, quote unquote, very vanilla, very in line with church teachings. So it, like and there was a a visual that I saw with it. And it was literally just like a piece of paper, like no color. I think it just said like resources and events for LGBTQ students. Mm-hmm. That was like it. So they paid money and signed a contract with the newspaper at BYU to include these in the bags. The Daily Herald said nothing else to Tenney after submitting the pamphlets except for, quote unquote, it looks great on August 12th. Okay. Okay. Then Tenney received a message from a friend on August 23rd, so 11 days later, who had been told to go to every room that the welcome bags were placed and pull out the pamphlets. So they were already in the bag. Yeah. So they were like, it was like the night before they were like, you know what? Actually, just okay. Okay. Hmm. After they had signed a contract to and paid it. And paid money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, again, tailored it specifically for the, t- the BYU audience. Mm-hmm. They were all off campus events and resource groups that were on there. It wasn't saying like, oh, BYU, go to the Wilk and we're there. Yeah, or it's like, it's okay now. (laughs) Yeah, that's not what they were saying. Yeah. You know, they had to pull out the pamphlets. Then BYU's statement about this situation stated that they, quote unquote, decided to remove some materials from an organization outside of the university. And this decision was based on BYU's commitment to providing support through the Office of Belonging And the BYU counseling services to not allow outside organizations to imply affiliation with or endorsement from the university, meaning that they want students and employees to utilize BYU's resources exclusively. What resources? Exactly. So that is a great question because the next (laughs) the next part is also about that. So BYU announced the so-called Office of Belonging back in August 2021 saying that it would focus primarily on coordinating and enhancing belonging services and efforts on campus. But the office didn't even have a physical location until this year, September 2nd. Okay, so a year later. Uh Uh-huh. Cool. Um, The new office was established the same week. So they they announced this um, a couple days after the Jeffrey R. Holland talk calling for musket fire. 
So a couple days later, they're like, oh, well, we have this new office called the Office of Belonging. And then a year later, actually has a place for it, I guess. So, hmm. um, but BYU hasn't even stated what kind of resources or services the Office of Belonging provides for LGBTQ yeah, students. Yeah, of course it doesn't. Why would they? Yeah, why would they? So, yeah, they were like, we don't want our students to know that there are other places they can get help because they want them to remain dependent on the church to provide information that won't even help them. No, it won't. It'll just make them hate themselves even more. Even if there is information, <laughs> which it doesn't sound like there is. Yeah, exactly. Okay, the next one that we're going to talk about is the Duke volleyball student at BYU. So, Rachel Richardson, a sophomore on the Duke University women's volleyball team, played BYU in a match in late August. During the game, Rachel and some of the other POC players were targeted and racially heckled throughout the entirety of the match. No action was taken during the game by officials or BYU coaching staff, despite being made aware of the incidents during the game. Following the game and Richardson's statement, BYU allegedly found the fan who had shouted the race the racist slurs at the Duke players and issued them a lifetime ban from attending BYU sporting events. As of September 14th, BYU stated that they had concluded their investigation into the matter and says that they have not found any proof that that person yelled racial slurs and actually rescinded their lifetime ban. Hmm. So basically nothing happened. Of course it didn't. Yeah. I love how they always go back on things that they've already said. Oh, 100% all the time. I mean, I don't love it, actually, but it's really annoying. It's super frustrating that you think, oh, maybe this person will finally, like, have to deal with consequences of their actions. But no. No. Mm -mm. They never do. I remember reading about this and they were like, we've scoured so many videos and we couldn't find any proof of that. Why the fuck would they, would those players make it up? They're just trying to play a game. <laughs> yeah, they literally came to your campus and were racially targeted. Yeah. Of course, people were heckling them at BYU because BYU students typically are racist due to the rhetoric from the fucking church. Yeah. So and I'm not, I know that's a blanket statement. I know there's plenty of people who are not. However, it is not surprising. Yeah, it's really at not. all. That that's happened. Mm -hmm. So anyway, frustrating. And <laughs> uh, at least Rachel Richardson had the support of her team and her coach that were like, we were there. We know what happened. We believe her, um, obviously. So, yeah. But just like yet again, another <laughs> another case of protecting the person culpable instead of the person who was victimized. Mm -hmm. So great. Uh, the next section is, I'm just really blowing through these because yeah. it's all just so shitty. Yeah. But the next section is the new BYU employment mandates. So in early 2022, BYU enacted a kind of loyalty oath for new hires at any of the church's educational campuses, and it goes beyond established questions of belief and behavior. So aside from the traditional uh, recommend questions, candidates are now being asked these three additional questions. One, do they support church doctrine on marriage, family, and gender? Seems specific, no? Mm -hmm. Number two, do they say anything that would lead others to doubt the doctrine or teachings? And number three, have they used pornography during the past few years? So not even like recently. Ever. 
Yeah. Or it's just recently. kind of like, hey, have you, um, you know, used pornography? And I also, I also said something else that I saw something else that said they were also questioning people to see if they had participated in pornography. So like oh if they, um, which could include like OnlyFans, of course, but also like revenge porn, mm-hmm. things like that. Like, you know, but just like the fact that they are asking the specific, like very specific questions. Yeah. yeah. But what I thought was really fucking frustrating was, <laughs> which is all of this, but yeah, BYU, the, whole, the whole episode, the whole fucking shebang. Am I right? Yeah. BYU is now allowing bishops and stake presidents the power to fire employees based on the updated questions. If they work at BYU and they're like talking to their bishop. Yeah. And their bishop is like, hmm. Yep. You said something in Sunday school that was suspicious or something. Uh-huh. They well like it's yeah, so if they if the bishop notices anything or if the employee in question yeah. confesses to their bishop. What happened to that clergy penitent privilege? Yeah. That's interesting how they can lose their jobs. Yeah. But we're not going to protect the victims. Yeah. We're gonna protect the abusers. Right. And it's just like no other educational system allows their clergy that kind of power. Yeah, that's actually insane i know it was frustrating as of august 2022 byu is asking new hires to waive their right to clergy confidentiality really let that sink in yeah but go back to the first topic we talked about (laughs) today which was the fact that the church said there was clergy penitent privilege when paul adams confessed to repeatedly abusing his children over the course of many years Mm -hmm. because of that privilege it was confidentiality it was a it was confession essentially so we don't have to but now if an employee of ours says oh hey i've like looked at pornography and just in the last few years it doesn't even have to be like recently yeah then then the bishop can decide if they want to fire them from their employment Mm -hmm. with byu yeah that's crazy Yep. And I will say this is the last one, but there have been other things that have happened um, since, since yeah. I'm sure. But these are kind of big ones, though, that have happened. Yeah, I can't think of like another big one that we're not hitting. Yeah. But I could be I wrong. I mean, there's always bullshit going on. fucking happening yeah. with the goddamn but, church. But these ones were like pretty big ones yeah. recently. So for sure. So this is the last one. Um, and it was the Dallin H. Oaks BYU devotional on September 13th of this year. His message was, the first and great commandment is to love the Lord, and the second is to love thy neighbor. But the love of neighbor does not come ahead of love of God and obedience to his commandments. Okay. (laughs) Okay, there's one. Um, His talk was titled, Going Forward in the Second Century, referencing Spencer W. Kimball's landmark talk in 1975, titled The Second Century of BYU. What President Oak said in his in this devotional was, quote, as students, do you dare to be different? Are you willing to face the opposite direction in the world's elevators? More important than what you do as a student are the choices you are making in your personal life, the priorities you are adopting consciously or subconsciously. Are you going forward against the world's opposition? 
Sounds like um, the gay experience, if you ask me. Agreed. <laughs> um, and the, just the last part of this is the apostle also encouraged students and faculty to remember their covenants, play an active part in church life, keep the commandments of Christ, and stand up for the marginalized. Yeah, because we all know Dallin is a really great advocate for the, yeah, for the marginalized. I think Dallin H. Oaks is definitely an ally to the lgbtq community oh 100 like i think if you think of anyone in church culture that could really be <laughs> cited as an ally to our community it would be <laughs> dallin a chokes hmm. mm-hmm. congrats dallin oh my god fuck you yeah no are you joking he's me? probably the worst one i mean at this point, they're kind of all the worst one. No? True, true. But he's but no, like, Dallin does have so like many. Oh, for, for sure. His just anti-LGBTQ rhetoric. Exactly, one hundred percent. And I was reading something today um, about this person on Twitter that I just followed, and they were talking about how they used to like love Jeffrey R. Holland so mm-hmm. much. And like, I remember feeling that I yeah, was like, I he too. was my favorite apostle. I yeah. loved his talks. I've cried to his talks mm-hmm. before. Yeah, LOL. he has some really good ones. But then like, when you really go back after you're out of it, out of the indoctrination and you go back and like read his shit, it's terrifying. And I, granted, again, remember, this is the man who gave the musket fire talk. Mm-hmm. So like, and Even, then went back. We can. We should have another episode about general conference. Oh yeah, yeah. Because he he said something in conference that was like, "I weep with the gay oh, community." Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like yeah. I know what they're going through, and I weep with them. After just last year saying that people should defend yeah. heterosexual marriage with musket with fire. muskets metaphorically, but. Uh-huh. People don't take things like that. Yeah. Metaphorically. Remember, gun sales went up that day. That's terrifying. I know. Anyway. Remember how I literally just a little bit ago in this episode referenced the BYU LGBTQ back to school pride night? Yes. Those people showed up with fucking handguns. Yeah, that's terrifying. Do you think any of the fucking performers were actually a harm, a physical harm to anyone there? No. No. But you still showed up with handguns, you fucking psychopaths. What yeah. the hell is your problem, honestly? Anyway, so just the fact that he had the audacity, the audacity yeah. to say, and uh, granted, again, this was after the AP article. The yeah. fact that he dared to say that we need to stand up for the marginalized. The marginalized includes victims. Mm-hmm. It includes people of color. It includes LGBTQ people. Mm-hmm. Guess what, Dallin? <laughs> Y'all aren't doing fucking shit about no, that. You're really not. So I, for once in your goddamn life, wish you would shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Amy's getting heated over I'm here. so angry. Wow. I like literally did this research like a month ago. Yeah. And I'm still it's, so upset about it. I'm, I am too. I mean, I didn't know a lot of the like nitty gritty details for some of these but it's just yeah it's wild and so many of these happened like within weeks of each other yeah it was just like bam 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 back to back just like so hurtful and awful yeah and just i just can't believe i I cannot believe that people are like there's no way this could happen like i've seen so many people say like there's no way this would happen in church doctrine or culture or whatever. Like, yeah. 
when people are literally sitting here telling you their experiences with the church, with their leaders, with the doctrine, etc., people are sharing their experiences and you say, there's no way that could happen. You know, because it hasn't happened to me. So that means it didn't happen to you. Yeah. And I cannot believe that people, again, have the fucking audacity <laughs> to ever try to Mormon explain your feelings away. Yeah. Because your feelings, your experiences, those are valid. Those are real. Those happen to you. We're not just making this shit up for the fun of it. Are no. you joking? No. <laughs> and it's it's not like a persecution complex either. Right. You know, like, if anything, they have the persecution they complex. They really do. They think that they have the moral high ground always. Yeah. They, have, they have the, LOL, Trump card that will <laughs> literally, no matter what we say or do, refuse refuse (laughs) to accept that yeah and it's kind of like ben was saying in one of our last episodes about institutionalized repentance Mm -hmm. they will never go back they've doubled tripled quadrupled down for a fucking century at this point yeah they have doubled down on this bullshit Mm -hmm. they are not going to take it back no they're not because at this point, it's too late for them yeah. to do so. But yeah, it's just like, they are always right. Yeah. You're wrong. It's black and white thinking. It is. That's, that's a thinking error. And that's <laughs> abuse. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to bring up, like, I've heard people compare their relationship with the church to an abusive relationship. Yeah, for sure. And I just, I think that rings true for so many people because you just get, like, gaslit and, yeah, the black and white thinking, like, Mm-hmm. I'm right you're wrong like you actually don't know what's best for you yeah oh and as someone who has been in an abusive relationship before I can 100% back that up yeah the church really refuses to acknowledge that y- that they've done anything wrong but you have done wrong you have to repent you have to follow what they're saying but they don't extend that same understanding and line of thinking towards yeah. themselves mm-hmm. why would they because yeah. they're quote-unquote always right <laughs> oh my god i can't stop doing that voice i'm so annoyed <laughs> anyway that's the end of my research um <laughs> maddie do you have anything else specifically to say about what we talked about i don't think so it's just a lot it is a lot so and just really frustrating and yeah we're just sitting here shaking our heads <laughs> honestly yeah i don't know what else to do anyway that is the mormon dumb update of bullshit so thanks for listening yeah thanks so much for listening for being (laughs) here um all the links also for all of the things we talked about that i pulled research from and i tried to find reputable sources of course absolutely um will be in the description to this episode so if you want to kind of dig a little bit more deeply into one of those particular topics feel free to go and look at those um also like we said earlier follow us on instagram and twitter at (laughs) fhg podcast and we're hoping to really get we loved having guests on the pod yes between so fun between bell and then ben and carly we had a blast with that we really love it so if you or someone you know wants to come on we just i mean there's nothing we don't have to talk about a specific thing necessarily we just want to give voice 
two people who have had their own unique experiences with the church and what they've gone through. Yeah. So obviously we can talk about a specific topic, but if you want to just kind of come on and chat. Yeah. We're then cool with that too. We love that. We love chatting. We Yeah. And we There's love. There's always stuff to talk about. Yeah. And, and that was something that. I felt like all four of us felt last time mm-hmm. with Ben and Carly was we just felt like seen and heard. Yeah. And that's that's really therapeutic because mm-hmm. it's such a weird place to be in after yeah. leaving the church, especially living in Utah. Like we're just surrounded by it everywhere. Yeah. And it's horrible. It is. <laughs> and, it's, it. and it's lonely. So It is lonely. Yeah. We, again, really made this podcast for a sense of community and for us to have a place where we can process our thoughts, feelings, emotions, because what we dealt with with the church was just a drop in the fucking bucket. Mm -hmm. So we would just love to hear more about your experiences or if there's any particular topics you want us to talk about. Of course, we have some really great things. Um, We have a stack of books we've been collecting yes (laughs) um that i'm hoping we can go into soon and we have um a slate of guests that we're planning on having on so keep your ears peeled for that for future episodes with those things but again if you want to communicate with us best place to do that is at fhe podcast on instagram maddie do you want to do the manifestation sure all right let's hear it the manifestation for this week is i hope everyone can find a place where they feel seen and heard and have a sense of community and also know that your experiences are valid and we believe you. <laughs> so Hell yeah, we do. That's it. That's all I got. You're gay ants. We're just everyone's gay ants, I guess. We really are. We are. I love it. I do um, too. But we're here for you and we really love supporting people in our community. Mm-hmm. So you're not alone. We are here for you. We love you. (laughs) And thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Um, Hope you enjoyed this really angry episode. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we'll be back with more angry episodes. But in the meantime, have a fucking great week outside of the church. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next next week. See you next week, folks. Okay. bye. Bye. Bye.